Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor, where those who think outside the box can create unique football bets from a combination of markets. Create your best bet with the innovative BetVictor Bet Builder. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. My fellow Chelsea supporters, welcome to the Blue Day podcast. And for Chelsea fans everywhere, every day is a blue day. And what a show we have for you today. I am your host, the man with the face for podcasting, Keith Lawrence. Here with me today, this Sunday morning, he is Mr. Positive. He's the Londoner living it large up north. It's Warren. Warren, welcome to the show on a Sunday morning at half nine in the fucking morning. Welcome. (laughs) Yes. Thank you, thank you, Keith. Thank you very much. Um, should be pointed out that it is nine thirty on a Sunday morning, and I've been sat here for about an hour waiting for Keith to call because he's just never on time. But Warren, what a week! Yeah, for a Chelsea yeah. supporter. There's been there's been a lot going on. We certainly haven't been short of a bit of a, a bit of topic to talk about. Um, starting off sort of where we left the last game. Um, just a day or two before the Barnsley game. Um, really, really pleased with that. Um, done everything that we should do as, as, as a top Premier League side against a Championship side in the early rounds of the Carabao Cup. We've done absolutely everything we should do. We made several changes. We gave minutes to people that needed minutes. We we played well. Uh, Caviera made a good save, a very good save actually. Barnsley, that was a really that would have been a really lovely goal. Um, you know the one he just tipped it over the bar in the first half. Uh, um, uh, Abraham and Havertz, their link play was, it was obvious, it was there for everyone to see. Um, scored a few goals, kept the clean sheet. It was everything that, like I said, it was everything that it should have been. And it was quite nice for once for Chelsea just to do what Chelsea should have done. Like, kind of, do you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, really positive performance. Really, really pleased to see Havertz getting some goals, Tammy getting his goal, Ross Barkley getting his goal. Yeah, good, good. A, prof- a thoroughly professional performance all round. Nothing outstanding. Havertz stands out because of his hat trick, um, but that kind of glosses glosses over the fact that he's still very young and he's he's got a long way to go to integrate himself into the team in the Premier League. But yeah, other than that, all positive, all positive from the Barnsley game. How about you, Keith? Did you watch it? I did watch it, yes. Um, for those of you that are probably wondering why we're starting off with the Barnsley game, which was a few days ago. Me and Warren did decide earlier on today that we wanted to start with a positive vibe on the show because there, you know, less than 24 hours, there's been a lot of negative comments 
about the club, considering what happened yesterday. So we decided that we wanted to start on a positive note. You know, yes, the weather maybe looks shit outside, but we just want to sort of get a positive, good, vibrant feeling amongst the place. So we are going to start, my co-host rightfully did, with the Barnsley game. So we are through to the next round. My thoughts on it, you know, I want to start with the started eleven. Mm. I'm surprised Emerson started, let alone Easter at the club. Yeah. Oh, it was nice yeah. to see Silver and Havertz uh, start, plus give Hudson a doy yeah. a good mention. Yeah. I want to thank the Barnsley defender for the first goal. Yeah. You know, really, really pleased with his um, helping hand with that. For me, the defence still looks shaky. Yes. And we're going to talk about that with the next game. Um, in regards to the midfield, because we had Kovacic, Barkley and Mount as our three centre mids, who's defensively minded in that midfield that would support the defence? Those That was my main note that came out of that game because the amount of times Barnsley were feeding balls in between the, the areas of defence and midfield against a Premier League side which we will talk about later, that will cause us problems. Yeah, and it did, it did cause us problems once or twice against Barnsley. I, me- I mentioned the Caballero save, and there was one or two other times that the Barnsley centre-forwards sort of came short and filled that hole that would be, that, that space that would be taken up by a Jorginho or Kante. I suppose that Frank looked at the Brighton game when we had Jorginho and Kante sitting deep. Brighton, by the way, who have shown in their opening three games that their performance against us on the first day wasn't that bad, and maybe our performance against them wasn't actually as bad as we first thought, because Brighton have started really, really well. They're playing really good football. They got a good chance. Unbelievably unlucky against Man United yesterday, breaking a Premier League record for the amount of times to hit the woodwork in a match, and an individual player doing it three times and stuff, and then the penalty mm. and the overturning and blah, blah, blah. So... Um, I think he just looked at it and kind of thought, right, well, it's Barnsley. They're not going to be as much of an attacking threat even as Brighton. And do we need do we need two defensive midfielders in there? No. Do we need one? Maybe. But is it like a pre-season and we need to give people the right amount of minutes in the right games and stuff? I think that there was a big balancing act against Barnsley. Um, I mean, Kovacic can come and take the ball off of the defence, but I know what you mean. There's not that cover in front of them. And I think that... The Barnsley game showed that we have to play Kante or um, Jorginho in one of them two has to play in almost every single match until someone like Billy Gilmore's back fit and if he's playing well. Um, I think it showed him that. Um, but we don't need a defensive midfielder against Barnsley. You know, I mean, Man City might play somebody in that role to pick up the ball off of the defence in the same way that, you know, Kovacic did or Barkley tried to but resting, resting players that needed to be rested and playing players that needed minutes so maybe people were being played slightly out of position to give them minutes because Frank saw an opportunity against Barnsley to do that and he didn't see the opportunity to do that against Brighton, Liverpool or West Brom and he's been proven right in that sense mm. OK I was pleased with Tammy's performance in mm. regards to giving Frank food for thought and his link play was the reason I wanted Giroud in the team but Tammy done it. Well, my note from midweek was play him up front with Timo out wide at the weekend. Well, this is this is I've been calling this since I first saw the lineup for the Brighton game. Sorry, carry on. No, by all means, you know you're in a good mood. I'm trying to get some positive I'm vibes from the show. In a great mood. I'm in a I'm in a great mood for reasons that I'm going to move on to when we finish the Barnsley game. But yeah, well, I'm in a great. Mood. That's the main course. 
Hudson Adoy again. My notes on midweek. Hudson Adoy still lacking that spark. Great goal by Barkley. Yeah. Great combination play by Tammy and Kai Havertz. Great to see the flair in some of our attacks, which is what we were missing a lot last season and a little bit to begin with this season. Yeah. Really pleased with the clean sheet. We don't get much of them uh, often. No. My only criticism is not taking the chances that were presented with us. I know we fin- I know it finished six nil, but there were a lot of other chances that we had. You know, yeah. If we're more clinical, it would have been seven. I I know Barnsley had chances as well, but we have got the better yeah, players. Barnsley's chances, Barnsley's chances were very few and far between. I think that we dealt with most things that they had to throw at. Like you said, without that defensive midfielder's cover, um, Barnsley had a little bit of a go. And credit to Barnsley as well. Real credit to Barnsley. Barnsley played well. Barnsley, even though Chelsea could have scored seven, eight, nine sort of thing, Barnsley credited themselves really well. You know, I think they they, they tried to play football. They tried to play out from. Um, they tried to link play around their centre forward and get players forward in and around him and midfielders ahead of the ball. Barnsley played quite well. I want to give Mason Mount special praise for his performance midweek. I thought he was outstanding. He's going to cost us a fortune in socks if he keeps working them off. I'm telling you. <laughs> It's going to cost us a fortune, the boy. I'd never. I'd like to. Uh, maybe that's something that I should have done before today's podcast was look up his stats for the distance that he covered, and not just for the distance that he covered, but <clears throat> in comparison to other people in other teams playing, and indeed in our team, but other people in other teams playing the same position and the same role as he's playing, and to cover the distance that he covers, especially in the second half. That's what I've noticed with Mason Mount. Mason Mount covers the same amount of distance in the 88th minute as he does the 8th minute. You know, he is he is an absolute workhorse and he is absolutely leads by example. And I think it's a massive, massive credit to a young, young, young man who spent one season in the Premier League for us to have bought for us to have Jorginho, Kovacic, Kante, Barkley, Gilmore, Loftus Cheek, and then in the more advanced role, you have a your Hudson Adoy, your Pulisic, your Zayek, and going back to last season, your William and people like that. All people that are playing in positions that Mason Mount plays or has played, Mason Mount is still one of the mainstays of the Chelsea team in all competitions. And when he's fit, and even when he's not, he plays, and he is consistently one of our better players. And for a young man to be under that pressure, and for us then to bring in a load of new players, and for him to be moving around in in and out of position for him to be leading by the example that he leads by he's a future Chelsea captain and I know that's a big statement to make about a young man who people are not even sure if his first team his place in the team is like assured at the minute but the, his his attitude is one that I admire so much he just gets his head down and fucking works and does his job and tries to create he scored a lovely lovely goal yesterday I think that because it was the first one, rather than like the equaliser, so like like rather if it is his and Tammy's goals were the other way around, people would be raving about Mason Mount's goal even more. But because Tammy's goal meant so much more, people are going to look at that, and people are going to look at the fact that we can see the three goals and everything, and they're going to glaze over Mason Mount's incredible performance in yesterday's game. And like you said, against Barnsley as well, just the, the ground that he covers, Keith. I don't know where he's like N'Golo Kante. Hmm. Yeah. It really is. I, I don't know. I, like, like you said, Keith, you, you've mentioned just there that obviously you're really pleased with his performances. But looking at it from that perspective, what do you think about Mason Mount moving forward? I think Mount has got the capabilities to be at this Chelsea's team for the next ten years. Yeah, 
at least. I think he does need to maybe bulk up a little bit more. Technically, he's probably one of the best players we have at the club. Yeah. With his first touch, his passing he reminds ability. Me of Joe, he reminds me of Joe Cox so much. I don't. I think can he, see that. Technically, and I mean, and, and, and I say this taking nothing away from Mount in the same way that I would say that I would rather have Ronaldo than Messi in my team, like that age-old argument. By saying this, I take absolutely nothing away from Mason Mount. I don't think he's technically as good as Joe Cole, but then I don't think any player that's ever played for Chelsea, technically, and like their technical ability on the ball, I think Joe Cole is the finest England player of a generation. So I don't think he's quite as good as... But he reminds me of Joe Cole, his his attitude, his winner. There are snippets. Joe Cole was a, yeah, yeah, Joe... There are snippets. Joe Cole was... Oh. Also, his, also his personality. Joe Cole was a fan of Chelsea. And, you know, when he scored a goal, and this is what I like about Frank as well, when he scored a goal, he, he reacted like, like a Chelsea fan would. And there was times when Joe Cole... I remember once we were losing 3-0 at Old Trafford and Joe Cole put in the naughtiest tackle on Ronaldo right there. I'm not joking, we're getting a fucking 10-game ban these days. And this wasn't that long ago. This was 12, 13 years ago. And it was just because Ronaldo was having a brilliant game and the Chelsea fans were really pissed off with Ronaldo because he was showboating and he had had a really good game and he'd set up two and scored one or whatever. And Joe Cole just fucking cleaned him out. That's like, and I, I know it's not the right example to set to young people. And I'm not saying to any young viewers that are, any young listeners that are listening today. I'm not telling you to go out and like Ed Butler Gazer next year because he's playing really well. But it's, it's how the fans felt at the moment in that moment. And Mason Mount seems to be of a very very similar mould in that sense. You know, he's a he's a young young lad who just loves the club and his passion comes out and I <clears throat> I love Mason Mount. He is by far my favourite Academy player if there even even if there even is one. <laughs> my final thought, and this is in relation to the goalkeepers, which is a very good segue for our next topic. Yeah. I thought Caballero yeah. midweek had his best game for us. Um I believe his shot stopping ability was very good. He was in the right place at the right time. Where I was listening to it on the EFL website, I could actually hear Caballero speak. Yeah. And he was commanding. Yeah. Pepper is particularly quiet. There has been a few games that I went to under Sarri in particular. I can remember being at the Leicester game at home, we lost one nil. Um, and I can remember being at the Liverpool game when we lost 2 0 at Anfield when Salah scored that one. Um, and both them games, I was sat very, 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 very close to the goal, like exceptionally close to the goal on both them games. And I didn't hear, I, I heard Kepa maybe like once, and I remember commenting on it in both games. He is not the loudest and all the rest of it. And I know exactly what you mean about that. And I, but I think a lot of that is the fact that Willy Caballero who has been a professional footballer for 20-plus years and has played at World Cups and has played in massive matches and has won titles everywhere, he's just naturally that little bit more confident in what he needs to do. And that's Kepa's downfall. And that's something that we're going to move on to now, like sort of going on into the West Brom game and sort of dissecting that a little bit. Like you just said just there, we are going to touch upon it a little bit more. But yeah, it is good to see. It was. It, I know exactly what you mean, Keith. It was good to see. Because, but I just think that's just naturally his personality a bit more. I think that when you've been a goalkeeper for 20 plus years as a professional, even if you're not the loudest goalkeeper, you're naturally just going to be that little bit louder. You know, it's, you, you, you're comfortable there. You, he's in his comfort zone. Kepa hasn't found that. Well, considering that, I can't see Kepa having a comfort zone because this week we finally 
finally completed the deal for Mendy, the yeah. goalkeeper from Rennes, for £22 million. Warren, have you seen the size of his hands? Yeah. They are huge. Yeah, yeah. Fun- funnily enough, I was on my phone yesterday and I was I, I was at work and I was flicking through my phone, you know, because I was working really hard, obviously. And uh, and I came across an article and it was talking about the size of his hands and there was a picture of him as like a 16-year-old and he was holding a watermelon. And he was like literally like 15. And now he, he did have goalkeeper gloves on that are obviously going to make somebody's hands look a lot wider and longer anyway, because it, it does, because obviously you've got something on the outside of your hand. But he was holding this water and he was like 15, 16 and he was holding this fucking watermelon, right? And he, he just his hand just engulfed like, like one whole side. It's like you know when you watch a basketball player pick up a basketball and they pick it up with like the con- most consummate amount of ease. That's what he was like with like this watermelon that was twice the size of a football. It was so funny. So yes, I have seen the size of his hand. Well, yeah, this is this is this is what I was referring to because you know I've seen his stature, I've seen his hand. He looks like a basketball player. So yeah. I'm hoping that there is something in there. Warren, do you think that Edouard Mendy could be our new blue hope as a goalkeeper? Well, the thing the thing is with it, I, I, I'll be honest, um, I watch a lot of football from other leagues and stuff. The French league is not one that I have amazing affection for, so to speak. I probably watch two live French games a month and I probably catch most of the game's highlights once a week, perhaps. So I don't know enough about it. I don't think many Chelsea fans do. Obviously, Frank and the club have done their homework and they wouldn't say they wouldn't go out and panic by a goalkeeper, but they fucking have before. Um, I think that they've left it very, very late. I'm very surprised that they left it very late. What I'm surprised at is that they haven't bought Mendy in with a view of him being like the future number one and then gone and then bought a really experienced goalkeeper in for it. Not really like Caballero 40 or anything, but like a really good goalkeeper, obviously. But bringing in somebody that is perhaps a little bit more short-term. I'm surprised they've left it so late. I'm surprised they've done it the way they've done it. I'm surprised they left Kepa out to dry. I think yesterday proved that our problems are so much more than fucking Kepa. Like, We're nearly again, at that West the, Brom game. Yeah, we are nearly uh, at the West Brom game. Uh, yeah, um, I'm very pleased that we signed him. I, I, I do have hope. I do think that he'll be a much more solid option because of everything that's gone on. I think he's a better option than Kepa and Caballero at the minute. Time will tell. He's been in the country for two days. And it's, has he even been in the country for two days? Maybe he yesterday he had been in the country for a day or two. Wouldn't have had a training session. We wouldn't have been had an intense training session so close to the match. So he wouldn't have done a proper training session with the lads. He may have met them. And that was it. Um, so I'm not surprised that he didn't play yesterday um but yeah yeah i'm pleased i mean you know in frank i trust i suppose i mean there's nobody that he's particularly put in the team so far or brought to the club that's been terrible or anything i think his man management has generally been quite good and you know what everybody says it everybody has said it and it's something that i've mentioned on the podcast i think i mentioned it on episode one listeners who haven't listened to it go back and listen to episode one because it was a brilliant episode and yeah i I don't know what what do you think keith Do, do are you i mean obviously you sound like you're quite positive about Mendy. I think it's hard not to be positive about a goalkeeper at the minute, given our current situation. But are you pleased that we signed him? Are you, is is he who you imagined we was going to sign? Or did you think that we was going to go out and get Henderson or Black or someone like that? I'm taking it from your point. I've got, I'm getting your vibes. You know, your vibes of positivity. Mendy, I'll take him for now. 
I am expecting more clean sheets through our side now this season, considering yeah. I've seen the size of his hands for a start. <laughs> one, um, one, clean, one clean sheet in 21 away games, Premier League away games, is unacceptable. Ball. And what I won't do is try and find a positive spin on that. The only slight positive thing, right, is the fact that our clean sheet came away to Tottenham and we won 2-0 in their new toilet. And that is the only spin that I can put on it but that's coincidental I can't put a positive spin on concede on average two what is it 21 21 games 42 away goals two a game Mm. we've conceded more than any other team away over the course of 21 games you can't make an excuse for it that has to change that has to get better it doesn't matter that I'm positive and I think it will change it fucking has to change that is not good enough offensively was not fucking good enough because there was individual mistakes. That's why I'm positive because I can see it coming and I think it is coming and I hope Mendy's the answer at the moment. I suppose your question is, do I think he's going to be brilliant? I don't know. Well, I think no one knows at the moment, but the fact that you know we've relied on a 38-year-old-plus goalkeeper who struggles to quickly get on the floor, and that was obvious yesterday, and we've relied on a goalkeeper that, as, as I said last week, Atletico Bilbao, you know, robbed us of money. And we've mm-hmm. signed a goalkeeper that looks looks amateur and plays like an amateur. But again, power of positivity. We have signed Mendy. Let's hope that it works out for him. I'm hoping that the defence in, in front of Mendy will look at his size, will look at his ability and go, OK, we need to maybe buck our fucking ideas up and not make yeah. stupid mistakes. But yeah. speaking of fucking up and making stupid mistakes, Rudiger and Jorginho. Now, they t- two two players who I, I have had issues with personally over, over the course of their time at the club. I think Jorginho has been considered a lazy player. Uh, Sari's son, I think, was a lot of the yeah. outcry during Sari's only season at the club. And as for Rudiger, I think there were times last season that he disappointed me massively with yeah. his performances. Yeah. I think Sheffield United away being one of them. But let's briefly touch on them too. Jorginho's been linked with Arsenal. Yeah. Arsenal apparently are looking for a new midfielder. Jorginho has been touted as an option he didn't play yesterday which I thought was quite telling should we expect Arsenal to at least come up with a bid for Jorginho and do you think Chelsea fans Warren will think it's not a big miss for Jorginho to go depending (laughs) how much Arsenal pay for him well firstly I don't think Frank will sell Jorginho to Arsenal because I think there's plenty of suitors in Italy and Spain and Germany and France who would take him that could offer the same money as Arsenal, if not very similar. Um, So I don't think Frank will sell Jorginho to Arsenal. I don't think Frank wants to sell Jorginho. I don't want Frank to sell Jorginho. I don't think that he will be massively missed by Chelsea fans until they realise how important he is in certain games. I think that you don't know what you've got till it's gone Good song, you know. We, 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 yeah, yeah, it is a very good song. Jorginho is equally important to Chelsea at times. There, there was times last season he came on in the Arsenal game away, the one that you was at. Changed the, changed the Thanks game. Thanks for the ticket, by the way. You're very welcome. Um, and also, big shout out to Aaron from Surbiton there, who facilitated the uh, transfer of the ticket between myself and yourself. Met you at Wimbledon, was it? That's right. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, on the day of the game. 
Um, yeah, big shout out there. But he came on and changed the game, and he came on when we played Crystal Palace after the restart, and you know Cahill done his hamstring, and we should have been four or five up, and Zaha got Palace back in the game. In the second half of that game, Palace were all over us. Jorginho came on and stabilised it and changed the game. I think that he was not utilised under Sarri because of whatever reason, tactically, it just wasn't working up. But I think he's a, I think he's a class act, and I think that he puts his foot in when it need be. He lacks a bit of but I think he's an important cog in the Chelsea team and I don't think he's going to go anywhere if he does I think Frank will send him abroad because Frank knows how good he is so I'd be disappointed if Jorginho left I think he'd be a big miss how about you Keith hmm I know you're not his biggest fan but I know that also as a as a real football fan who you know understands the game as well as you do I think that you also see my point and how good he is I appreciate his talents when they're used correctly tactically. Yeah. I will be pissed would, off if he goes to Arsenal. Yes. I would be more than happy for him to go to Italy. I'll even pay for his cab fare to go oh. to the airport for him to go back to Italy. However, I will be happy for him to go, depending on the replacement. If the replacement is better than him, well, with that, I all mean, that's the but thing. Uh, yeah, if yeah. we're signing a player that is young, but then I'd say, but then I'd tell Aspiriqueta if somebody better was going to come in than him. It doesn't mean I want Aspiriqueta to leave. Mm. So my point is, that, you know, you said that if we can sell Jorginho and get good money and then replace him with somebody who's going to be even better, I totally agree. I don't want Tammy Abraham to go anywhere. I want Tammy Abraham to be at Chelsea for another 10, 11, 12, 13 years, but would I swap him for Lewandowski right now? Yeah, of course I would. It doesn't mean that I don't It doesn't mean that I don't want Tammy at Chelsea. It just means would I rather have somebody who's going to score 55 goals and get 30 assists? Yeah, of course I would. Right, that goes without saying. Like, same as Giroud. I want Giroud to be playing more, I think, because of the way that he can link up. I think that he can be really vital to Chelsea this season, but would I swap him for Lewandowski? Yeah, of course I would. So I'd, I suppose my point is it's a little bit unfair to say that I would swap Jorginho for somebody better because you'd always swap somebody for somebody better. I, I was more know, talking that, from the realistic point of the transfer window considering it's a couple who, of weeks' time before it closes. So who, who could we get as a ball-playing midfielder who picks up the ball off of the defence? And we've got plenty of people that are meant to go and get goals, so we don't have to worry about that. But a, a captain, a vice-captain, somebody who leads by example, somebody who's passionate, somebody who takes takes the ball off of the defence and breaks play up and takes up good positions defensively that people perhaps don't really appreciate. Who out there on the market at the moment is there well, that's going to do that better than That's what I'm saying. That's why I'm partly half and half on it because, you know, at this stage of the season, mm. and as you say, who is out there to do that, I can't see anybody on the top of my head that would be doing that job. Now, we will talk about him, although he's not a Chelsea player. Do I think Declan Rice is better than Jorginho? Personally, no. That's my honest opinion. I don't think Declan Rice is better than Jorginho. So, is Frank looking to tell Jorginho to go? Rice plays in multiple positions and Frank... He does. And Frank can obviously see some sort of like development opportunity there, obviously. I don't think we'd be linked to a player, even though it's not quite as strongly as Havertz, where they're obviously like flying out and directly talking to each other. I don't think we'd have been linked with a player this long unless there was really something there. Maybe what Frank's trying to do is test West Ham's resolve with regards to selling him to make sure they're not going to sell him to someone else. 
see his development for another year and then maybe go and try and sign him. And I think Frank's trying to put other teams off by letting the rumour mill go on. And everybody's like, well, look, if Chelsea want him, they've got more fucking money than anyone, so we might as well let them have him. And then they're not going to go in for him, which gives Frank another year to look at him. I think like that could be quite a smart little ploy. Just you, it's the way I would. It's the way I would play it. Whether it's the way Frank's playing or not, I don't know. But it makes sense to me. I also think that he knows that he doesn't need Rice at the minute. Rice is not going to solve our problems. Rice is a is almost like a luxury buy at the minute. I think that we need to go out and maybe sign another. A luxury buy from West Ham United. Oh yeah. Are you a luxury buy from West Ham United? You know what I mean. He's not. No, I know what you mean. I was, I was needed, just referring to your choice be, of words. Yeah, was, no, 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 but he, he's a player that is... If we're buying Declan Rice, then it needs to be because everything else is sorted. If we're taking a risk on a player, and that's what I mean it, about it being a luxury buy, because it, it's a risk, it's, a, it's, it's something only certain teams can go out and spend 40, 50, 60 million pounds on a player and take a big risk on him. Usually when you find, sign someone like that, you want to be as assured as sure as you possibly can be that you're, you know, we spend that money on Havertz and Werner and people like that. You want to be sure that you're spending that money correctly. And I think that Declan Rice is a real, and that's what I mean about it being like a, a luxury purchase because there's other areas that need strengthening. Let me tell you something. A luxury purchase is something you get from Harrods. A luxury purchase is not something that you get within the Audi community. Yes, Declan Rice is a decent player, but to counter that, I would say, number one, Declan Rice is a Chelsea Academy product. Number two would be that some of Chelsea's finest and greatest and most iconic players have come from West Ham. Let's not forget that John Terry signed for us as a schoolboy, but his early academy was at West Ham. Joe Cole, who I've mentioned as his technical ability, being the finest of an England generation, West Ham Chelsea fan, West Ham youth product. Frank Lampard, I think he was a West Ham youth product. Um, you know, Glenn, Glenn Johnson. Um, even going back before that, we had people like Clive Allen, who scored goals for us, who came from West Ham. Um, I think that West Ham as a football club are a bit of a joke and their fans are scum, but it doesn't mean they don't produce genuine, genuine, world-class talent decade after decade. So, yeah, I could say, even in the context of Harrods, that buying people from West Ham is a bit of a luxury buy. And I'll bang my gaddle down on that you know the things that judges have and I thought and I thought last night you and I had a falling out over the West Brom <laughs> game my goodness <laughs> Christ almighty right let's just touch on uh, just one little thing before we then dissect the West Brom game oh, to sorry, bits sorry Keith and Rudiger as well yes let's let's just talk about Rudiger do I think he'll go I'll be surprised if he stays the fact that he hasn't even featured in the squad squad I was I was very, very surprised. I thought Rudiger and Silva because I, I thought it'd be Rudiger and Silva because of Rudiger's pace. Short of that, I thought it would be Zuma because of Zuma's pace. I know Christiansen is no slouch, but Zuma and Rudiger are definitely faster, which is why I think Fikayo has stayed now because we Tamor is here because they know that his pace is essential to cover Silva if ever he has to play. Yes, um, agreed. Which is why I was surprised agreed. Rudiger was going to go. I think I think the reason that Rudiger is going is because. Frank saw last season as Rudiger's opportunity to step up. He looked last season at Kepa, almost as a senior player, even though he was so young. But given the amount of money we spent on him, he should be almost a senior player straight away. Um, he looked at Kepa. He looked at Azpilicueta. He looked at 
Alonso, he looked at Rudiger, he looked at Jorginho and Kovacic and Willian as the experienced players in our team to lead by example. Willian had a good season, he wanted him to stay. He moved. Giroud had a good season, he wanted him to stay, he stayed. Jorginho the same, blah, blah. Rudiger, as Piriqueta, although he was poor defensively last season, as Piriqueta made his mistakes, you could never question his tactical ability, um, his technical ability, his approach, his attitude, his you know his belief, his loyalty, his willingness to give 100% all the time. And I think that you could question Rudiger. Rudiger had to step up to the mark last season, and I think that he failed to on a lot of occasions. And I think Frank said to him, you was meant to be one of my senior players. You was meant to be the one not doing this, not doing that, and blah, blah, and all the rest of it. And you didn't step up to the mark, so I'm going to get someone else in, perhaps. I think if Rudiger then Declan Rice will definitely come in. Hmm. Interesting. You know, I can't. I can't imagine a world where we'd let Rudiger go and not sign another centre. I'm not. I, and by the way, I'd be interested if we did sign Declan Rice, and I think he could be a very good player. I don't necessarily think it's the right signing for now, which is why I've said what I think Frank is. So it'd be interesting who we brought in instead. But yeah, I agree with you, Keith. I don't. Don't see Rudiger's future at Chelsea now. Hmm. I was surprised, really, with. Not necessarily his treatment, but I, I'm just surprised of all the, the defenders. I just thought maybe another season with Rudiger alongside Silva yeah, I agree. would have I, been I, I agree. I, 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 very, you know, very I was, good. I was very surprised he wasn't in the team against Brighton, and I've been equally shocked since because, I mean, I suppose you could say all of our defensive problems are coming from, apart from Silver's silly mistake yesterday, all of our mistakes are coming from the same areas. Would Rudiger change any of that? Perhaps not, but I think he deserves the opportunity. I think there's a defender in there good enough that he, he warrants being given another chance. So I am quite surprised about it. Maybe something's happened. Maybe Rudiger wants to go. You know, Maybe. Yeah. We, we don't know yes. what's going on. Although Frank's a very open and honest person, he keeps his he keeps his cards close to his chest at the same time. You know, he's a pragmatic, intelligent man. He's not going to play his hand overly. I think he would have learnt a lot from the great managers that he's played under through his career. So, yeah, who knows what's going on. But, yeah, I think Rudy looks like he's been shown the exit door, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I concur with that. So let's talk about what happened yesterday. Chelsea played West Brom. West Brom lost two on the bounce. They conceded eight goals in their two games. Many, many people thought we it was just going to be another walk in the park for us. It was going to be another win. Warren, my thoughts on the starting eleven when it first came out, it was a great lineup. Yeah. The only minor note I had was I was surprised Christian started. Yeah. But I it's think that. Yes, but I think with Christensen alongside Silva, yeah, there there may be a possibility Christensen will improve his game. Tammy deserves to start and yeah. believes, and I also believed that this is the sort of game he should be the best player on the pitch. Yeah, against the West Brom side, who you know, and I'll say it now, and I'll probably say it for the next hour and a half, how long this podcast will last, that we were playing a Championship team last night. You know, yes, West Brom are in the Premier League, but the players they have, they are a championship fucking team. In regards to the game itself, Caballero, we thought we knew that he was going to start anyway, you know, because Lampard announced that Mendy would not start, because as you say, he's, he's only been in the country for a matter of days. Yeah. But 
my overall initial thoughts before the game started was it was a positive lineup. Yes. And then the referee blew the whistle to start the game. Yeah. <laughs> and he blew the whistle to start the game and for the next and for the next ninety five minutes Chelsea were the better team. We controlled the ball. I mean there was a little period when we were three 0 down until half time, Frank was like, We need to just almost shut up shop and just make sure if we get a goal great and we created a few chances Tammy should have scored Werner was unlucky but we was the better team we we had possession doesn't win football games but we controlled the game we dominated the game we dictated the pace at times Alonso made a bad mistake the header was a very it was a, a bad very, mistake yeah a bad mistake no no no, no, no. it wasn't just a, a bad mistake it was a fucking diabolical no. mistake no, 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 listen, it, it, it if, was a I saw, if I it saw was a my son under eight, under mistake. nine, whatever, if he made that mistake, I would be disappointed. He yeah. is a professional footballer. It you do not, bad, you do not a, head the ball a bad back mistake, to dangerous it play. You head mistake. it away. It wasn't the only mistake. I'm sorry, but the keeper should save that. Alonso shouldn't be punished for that. The, right, he yes. did, it's, it's a bad mistake. I can't, I mean, I can't sort of articulate beyond that. I mean, it was, it was a bad mistake and it's a mistake that he should not make and he, he is at fault for the goal because that should not have happened but that doesn't take away that we had other opportunities to close the ball down or get players back and the keeper should have saved it and it is a bad mistake but we were still playing well we were still the better team and then they had that and then obviously Thiago has just had a moment where it's just one of them things right and it's not like Alonso's mistake Alonso's mistake is a really really poor decision and a really bad mistake right and a mistake that should not happen Thiago's mistake is just one of those things right and it come at a really bad time for us and it come at a really bad time for Frank and it come at a really bad time for Thiago if that happens you know when we're fawning it up and everybody's just like oh well it's lucky he didn't do that you know on his debut when they was already losing one there or something it's just really bad timing right so we have to just accept that as, as like oh shit right the third goal and Chelsea is a defensive unit as not getting out and communicating properly. Because as soon as that corner comes in and it's going towards the edge of the box, you've all got to get the fuck out. For anyone to be left in the six-yard box in that situation, you're talking about under-eight football, right? And I'll go all the way back to that. That is unacceptable. What happens the first moment when the ball is going away from goal, what's the first thing that every dad and every mum and every manager on the sidelines of every football pitch up and down the country from the age of five years old up, does out out so Marcus Alonso did leave his man but the Chelsea defence should have been pushed up so there was three moments in the game that we was punished for like we was playing Barcelona right and Caballero should have saved the second goal as well he's let it go under him a bit too easy I think um, and I'm not being overly harsh on Caballero I'm just making the point that it didn't matter who was in goal it didn't matter if Kepa was in goal if I was in goal or you was in goal we conceded three goals Right, so it doesn't matter who's in goal, the defence is not good enough. But it's down to individual mistakes. It's not because tactically we're not good enough. We were very good yesterday. We created a lot of chances and we showed fantastic character. But positivity is the key. We came out in that second half with the ambition and the belief that we was going to win that half 3-0. And we did. And we was by far the better team. West Brom didn't know what to do with us. Reese James was fantastic going forward. I don't think Marcus Alonso actually really had the worst game ever apart from that mistake like that header is so, it's so awful that it makes his performance awful you can't get away from it it doesn't matter what he does after that his performance is awful because of that one moment because it was dreadful but like we need to support the club because it's moving in the right direction look at yesterday right 
all the players we've brought and all the players we want to sign and in all the positions we want to improve and do this and do that. And three academy players got us out of a hole yesterday. That's what Chelsea Football Club means. Three academy players got us bang out of trouble. It used to be John Terry and Frank Lampard and Didier Drogba. And yesterday it was Mason Mount, Callum Hudson-Odoi and Tammy Abraham got us out of a hole. That's why I'm positive because I see it coming. I said on the podcast last week, I can see it coming and I still can. Quiet before the storm. Sorry, Keith. <laughs> no, I was just waiting for you to finish. It's just passion, and I just want to support and love my club the best way that I can. And I think that we've lost the mentality of having to like grind. Do you know what I mean? We, we just expect an immediate success because we're spoiled bastards as Chelsea fans. We're so spoiled this generation of Chelsea fans, and we've lost the mentality to when when we call for the team okay so the flair and everything brilliant isn't working we call for the team to knuckle down and work their stocks off and do what's right and even if you lose do the right thing and play with the right attitude we need to look at ourselves as fans in the same you know as as supporters of the english football game we are professional supporters we're not like amateurs in america we're like do you know what i mean like yeah usa defense defense like do you know what i mean we are professional supporters right we need to look at ourselves and say well, if the team's going to dig in and muck in and get that, get down and dirty and deal with it and grind with it in certain times and just deal with shit sometimes, then we have to look at ourselves as fans and do the same thing. The players are leading by example at the minute with their attitude on the pitch and what they're trying to achieve. We need to be the same. I'm finished. You sure? Yeah, yeah, because if you don't start talking, I won't be finished. So, sorry. Okay. Sorry, listeners. I know that I know that you very much enjoyed listening to Keith as well and I, I'm talking all over him so apologies listeners it's that power of positivity my half time notes now bear in mind I was angry not happy I was actually hungry because I was actually waiting for my takeaway to be delivered and I got told it would be an hour's wait you but my half time notes you ordered football during the food you ordered, ordered football during the food you ordered food during the football well it was meant to come before the game ah. and then I oh. It was yes, it was it was meant to come before the game, and then I got told it was going to come about half time. So I bearing in mind I was a bit hungry. Believe it or not, I do have some positive things to say about the second half. The half time notes for me, I thought the team and the performance was disgusting, embarrassing, and pathetic. Tammy, nine times out of ten, he would have scored that chance. James Whitting, yeah. the most gorgeous yeah. cross. Oh, it was perfect. It was just unbelievable. The timing of the run, Beautiful. Abraham. The timing Tammy of should the have run, everything. Yeah, Tammy should have scored. Tammy, Tam, knows, Tam, Tam, knows Tammy should have scored that. Yeah, Tammy knows he should have scored that. Werner was unlucky with the chance that hit the bar. Yeah, yeah, snap chance, snap chance, yeah. But as you would talk about, the mistakes that we have that, that we're making at the back yet again. My note that I put on down at half time, nothing has, ch- and I did actually put this for the Brighton game, nothing has changed from last season defensively. The club and Frank are to blame for that. Now, yeah. let me just read some of the notes that I put down. Bearing in mind, we allowed Aki to go to Man City, so that was a centre back option. Man City are also about to sign Ruben Diaz from Benfica. He's a 22-year-old Portuguese centre-back who it will be... Well, I will be amazed. Excuse me. I will be amazed in three to five years' time he is not classed as one of the world's best 
centre backs. He's outstanding. I know, I know, I know, I know that you're a big fan of him. I know that you've mentioned him before. We, we've not made any strides to improve the centre back department in that area. We've brought in a 35 year old centre back who's now 36. You know, he was, his birthday was on Tuesday. We've brought him in. Our defence, our defensive unit hasn't changed from last season. And that was one of the worst weaknesses from us last season. We haven't improved that. That is my worry. So we've spent 200 fucking million pounds on trying to improve the squad. But the main issue that we had last season where we conceded sloppy goals to shit teams last season that, Yes, okay, we got Champions League, but we dropped points against shit teams that we should never, you know, drop points to from defensive mistakes. It's still there. And Frank is one of the most intelligent... Hang on, just just bear with me. Frank is one of the most intelligent people at that club. He, He surely should know that we should have gone out. And I said this last week about the goalkeeper in the FA Cup final. We should have gone out and improved the entire defence. Yes, we've brought in Ben Chilwell. Well, he's fucking injured. So, you know, that's that's great. He comes on half-time against uh, Barnsley, and we he's nowhere to be fucking seen. So I, we almost didn't sign him when we thought his injury was going to be longer, didn't we? Yes, exactly. We allowed Ake to go to a rival... Ruben Diaz is on his way. There are, you know, other sort of defenders that are, you know, going to and from players. I know the the lad from Inter Milan, yeah. who the centre back yeah. from Inter Milan, he's been linked with a number of clubs as well. My fault. My notes were: Where's Zuma? Yeah. Looking at this defensive catastrophe, where the fuck is Zuma? Where was Rudiger? And then one of the guys who has emailed us at the Blue Day Podcast at gmail.com, which we will be talking about views and opinions that have come to us, even he's saying Rudiger's should be rubbing his fucking hands together, looking at the defensive display, thinking I should get into this team. Yeah. And he's not. You know, so my second half notes, and these are now my second half notes. So I'm so after you badgering me at half time, saying you know power of positivity, you know, yeah. you know, well, giving me that Warren, who by the way has always, 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 always been the same. There is even a video on YouTube last year, Man United first day of the season, we lost four nil, and I was one of the last people in the stadium, and I clapped our whole team and our whole management and our whole coaching staff and all of the fans off of the pitch because I will stay there until the very end and clap my fucking team as long as they're it mistakes although they need to be eradicated if we want to be successful which is what I want mistakes I can live with as long as everyone's given 100% so the second half he puts Aspilicueta on and hudson Adoy on yeah for me they, they were positive substitutions yeah. I will mention this, and I know that you might disagree, which is fine. Alonso can fuck off permanently. He's not a left back. You've said it. You've called it. Perfectly I have before. said it. He's, he's a not le- a left back. You, you've called you've called it perfectly before, which is very hard to argue with, even before this season. But especially now, he, he's not a left back. He's a left wing back. He and David Luiz are similar players. Mm. Alonso had mm. one good season with us. Yeah, and he was playing as a wing back. Yeah, since then, 
when we've played four at the back, he's no good. No. Times last season, no, he's not we left. played three at the back and he was wing back. He was very good. So he's, if we're playing four at the he's back... Not that, he's, not, he's not that bad. I don't think he's that bad defensively. I just think positionally he's not a left back. Like, do you know what I mean? I think that he takes up some bad positions and sometimes he is occasionally a little bit lazy as well where he's not used to having to cover the extra distance. Um, I don't think defensively he's actually that bad. I just think positionally, as you've said quite rightly before, Keith, he's not a left back. Well, if we are to improve, we need to cut out the shit and he needs to fuck off. In regards to... (laughs) I'm now going to actually talk positive. Honestly, I will be talking positive. Mason Mount, I thought, was outstanding. Yeah. I believe that he was probably one of the guys at half-time that looked at the situation. Probably, he he was probably one of the guys that was at half-time effing and blinded to his teammates. Throwing bottles around. Throw, yeah, he was probably tape. the one throwing bottles around, throwing all sorts around that dressing room, trying to get the team to I, fucking wise up. I reckon, I reckon him and Frank and Jody were throwing people around that dressing probably. room. Probably. Throwing them out for an early warm-up in the second half, that's for sure. Well, Mount, I, Mount for me, you know, it just was out... It, second half was just outstanding, but yeah. my, my, my second half notes, they are brief, but as you say, the second half was just all us. Yeah. And that, you know, the first goal was crucial at the time because it was around about the, you know, the 50, 55 minute yeah. mark. So, yeah, we needed one. We needed one at the beginning of the second half and we got there it, yeah. was plenty of time for us to get the two, three, you know, four goals that was needed. You know, amount with that excellent finish was outstanding. And you've said it. Gary Lineker said it on Match of the Day, and I've heard people on social media say it. 200 fucking million pounds and the three goals that were required to beat a championship team were scored by academy players. Who's to say that, literally, with just Ben Chilwell in the team, he doesn't make that header. We don't have that poor start, and we dominate the game from there on out. We're talking about potentially one mistake. Not a tactical mistake, but playing the wrong player in the wrong position. Just one of them... football moments you know so I'm still just so positive about it I saw so much yesterday I saw so many things Havertz Havertz had his first shot on goal in the Premier League yesterday you know how bad it was for me yesterday this is by the time that I was actually eating me takeaway you was feeling better we were scoring goals I I was was feeling better (laughs) the food came in the goals were starting to flow I just want to mention one thing Hudson Adoy's goal People will not mention it too much because it, you know, people won't say, "Oh, Rashford scored it; it was a wonderful goal." Kane scored it; it was a wonderful goal. Yeah. Hudson Odoi's goal for me was one of the best goals this weekend. It was outstanding. That, that, the the, the build-up play goal, was if exquisite. That, if, that, if that's if that's Messi and Suarez doing that at Barcelona five years ago, that is all over YouTube and even like match of the day again. Oh, we don't usually do this, but we've got a goal from La Liga. You know, licking arse all over. It was a lovely, lovely goal. So it was Mason Mount. Even Tammy Abraham's, if you watch Tammy Abraham's goal, and you know where they're showing it from the VAR, checking to make sure there's no offside and that, if you watch him, he's being held by the West Brom defender, and he goes underneath his arm, spins round, before Mount's having the shot, because he's reading that, I mean, that's predatory instinct right there. That is, Tammy Abraham's got a tap-in from two yards, but it was still a very, very 
very, very good striker's goal. He didn't just fall to him. He went to where the ball was going to end up. I will mention the third goal, but back on the second goal, Havertz assessed was outstanding. Yeah. But Hudson yes, Adore, yeah. he, he just hit that with such velocity. And bearing in mind, that's his second Premier League goal yeah. ever. That's, yes, he's got a lot of he's got a lot of cup goals for Chelsea, but only his second Premier League. That's his second. Goal. Yeah, uh, that's incredible for for someone of his talent. But I'm hoping, and we we did mention this on the top of the show about you know his performance against Barnsley not being great, and a lot of people are saying he should leave, fuck off, or go out on loan. I, I, would I, keep... I, I was going to say I've been calling for him to start for the last three or four matches. I've been calling for him to play from the left. I've been calling it a lot. I I personally would keep him. I'd actually I would actually start him midweek against Tottenham. Yeah. And we will talk about Spurs actually later on. We will we will talk about that game. But just to, for final notes on on this you know crazy game that you know what we yeah. saw last night. I thought we were massively lucky. Oh, the the third goal. You know, if VAR ruled that out, mm. I would be probably not doing this recording today. I would probably be out buying a new telly because I would have ended up... No, just, justice was done. He won't even look at it. Justice was done on like, the Palace match earlier on in the day. Oh. Justice was done. Let's not, yeah, let's not... I'm not going to talk about VAR in a negative way where no, possible. No, let's not talk about that. Because it's negative. Tammy, um, right uh, place. Yeah. Tammy yeah. Abraham, right place, right time. Did you see his movement on the build-up to the goal? Yeah, he was yeah, always on the move. One alert in that penalty box, and the West Brom yeah. players yeah. were just ball watching. He could the sniff. goalkeeper was unlucky. Yeah, he's made a good save. He's tried to get it away from the goal. Yeah, but Tammy, right place, right time. Again, anybody that's doubting Tammy's place in the squad, not the first eleven because that's different, but in the squad, should you know look at yourselves in the mirror because for me, Tammy's in the squad all day long, but. Eo, if you asked me at half time that we would get a draw from being three 0 down, I would have said you were fucking nuts. Well, I, I told you we was going to win four three. You said to me we was going to win four <laughs> three. I did. I did also at one point make quite. I, I did also at one, one point message you and a few other people when we was losing three one, saying, "Say I call three one." <laughs> well, let's talk about the preview. I would start Mendy. Uh, I I probably wouldn't. I think it's a high intensity game and it's a cup game, and he would have only had a few training sessions with the squad. I think that give him the full week and then start him in the Premier League and start as you mean to go on from there. I believe that Caballero will play against Tottenham. I don't think that it will overly negatively impact our team because I think it's been proven whoever's in goal, it doesn't really matter because the mistakes in front of them are so fundamental that it doesn't really really matter because they're not offered protection so I think for that reason Mendy will be given the week to set it in and Caballero will start um, I don't know where Pulisic is at with his recovery I don't know where Chilwell is at with his recovery um, I think Thiago will probably play most of the game again for uh, fitness minutes under his um, I think you're right I think Adoy will start I think Tammy will start the thing is if Pulisic is back or someone like that he may look to Start Pulisic and bring Werner on, or start Werner and bring Pulisic on. I think Werner will be given a bit of a rest one way or another. Well, let's bear it in mind that it should be noted, and we have noticed this. We have noted this on the podcast. Excuse me, 
that we haven't had a pre-season. You know, all these clubs have not had pre-seasons. I would start Havertz. I would start Werner because these players need time to gel into the team and they need yeah. time to gel into yeah, they need, they, the way they the Premier League They need the right amount of rest as well. No, though. absolutely. I think yes. rotation is key. I think that actually it's, it's, it's helping us. I think that it's helping other teams as well. Like having three games a week, I think, is helping everybody at the minute in a lot of ways. And it's especially helping... It's especially going to start helping us more when we've got more key players back so we can rotate the team a little bit more. So I think the more games at the minute are better for Chelsea than it is almost for any other team because we've got so many players to come back in. Um, I do think that it will be a case of either it will be rotated from the start or it will be rotated throughout the match. Um, I think you're going to see a combination of the team that played against West Brom and the subs plus one or two other players coming in as well. You know, a couple of players are going to come out of the squad, a couple of players are going to come from the bench to the starting lineup, and a couple of players are going to come from outside the squad into the squad. I think that's what we're going to see um, on Tuesday. I also think we're going to win as well. I think we're going to have a, a strong side out there, and I think we're going to win. Tottenham haven't even played. Hang on. I also agree that we are going to win. Mm. I think we're going to win, and the reason why I say that is when I look at the opposition, and I'm not just saying it's Tottenham, but they're playing, as we're recording this on Sunday, they're playing today. Yeah. They've then got a game on Tuesday against us. Yeah. They've then got a Europa League playoff. Yeah, but they're fairly in control of that, aren't they? They're not 3-1 up. No, no, no. It's not a two-legged affair. It's... it's oh, no, a one-off? It's, it's a one-off playoff oh. game. Forgive my forgive my ill knowledge there. So, this this is the thing. Spurs are playing three games, and plus they've got another game on the Sunday. So in essence, they've got four games in a week. And this is the thing. We know how important the uh, Europa League is to a small club like Tottenham because if well, you get onto our YouTube and all the Blue Day podcast, there's a video of them celebrating getting into the Europa League with a draw last season, and they're exactly. celebrating like they just won the league. So we know how important it is to them. Exactly. Exactly. So they will see. I believe they will see Thursday as more important than our game because oh, if they lose 100%. to Maccabee Haifa, they're not in Europe. So where the fuck will they go from there? And I want Tottenham to stay in Europe because I want them to have more games and get more injuries. <laughs> well, you know, at the end not of the so day, much injuries. Maybe just so not injuries. Like you know, I don't want anybody. Like, I don't actually wish injury on anyone. I'd rather just sort of like wish bad form on them. Well, at, at the end of the day, they've got to make another documentary to follow up the We Won Nothing documentary <laughs> by, you know, having, you know, their European we, adventure on we got Amazon. Jose, we, got Jose in his, we got Jose in his prime and they got Amazon fucking prime. Exactly. Fucking Tottenham, the laughing stock of football. Oh. Exactly, but I expect us to win on Tuesday. Yes, I know three mistakes yeah, against West Brom and other mistakes in other games, but I expect us to beat Tottenham purely because I cannot see. Can you ex- can you expect Harry Kane to play four games with within a week? No. So you know, for me, this is the perfect opportunity to lay also to lay a, a, a marker down to Tottenham. Yeah. By beating them on Tuesday, psychologically. Another psychological blow for Lampard at, over Mourinho. At that stadium, with Lampard over Mourinho, absolutely. So, it'll be interesting who plays. 
I'm not sure what Frank's going to do. I'm hoping Frank knows what he's going to do because he needs to between now and then. But then we've got Palace on Saturday. Mm. Now, that's not going to be easy. Tough game. That's a huge game. They were unlucky against Everton yesterday. Very. Their attacking play is quite frightening, really. They play. You know, if you, if, if, if you look at their pace. They beat a decent Southampton team. They beat a poor Man United, but still had to play well. Exactly. So we will need to be at it against Crystal Palace, which I'm I'm hoping we will. I I expect Frank to maybe not today, but to at least tomorrow to you know go through the 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 mistakes that we made against West Brom and really improve and make sure that. Yes, we've spent money on Havertz, we've spent money on Werner, but the key thing is is to cut these stupid goals out that we're conceding. I'm hoping with Mendy, with his basketball-like physique, mm. will improve that. And I'm expecting Silva. Yeah, you, you know, Silva's mistake, yes, it happens. It happens. Whether it, can't, it can't happen again, but it happens. No, it happens. Whether or not he was expecting it to be like the French League, whereby everyone's fearing PSG and we won't fucking close the centre-backs down because, you know, how many times did he actually get closed down in the French League? Hardly none. So that's a wake-up call for him. Adjustment period. There's an adjustment period. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it will take time, but which is why... The, the lack of a pre-season. But, sorry, sorry to put in there, Keith. It's important to mention that as much as I'm positive and I, you know, I agree with everything that you've just said about Thiago, that absolutely, it's important to know that as positive as I am, and as much as I know that it will take time and it was his first game and he's got a period of adjustment, the reason that we've signed a 35, 36-year-old is because that period of adjustment should be so short that that does not happen again. Mm. And I think that that is the reality of it. I think that Thiago has been bought in for his experience and his leadership and things like that. And and that's the kind of mistake that, OK, you've made your mistake now. You can't fucking do it again. Mm. So I think that there's not pressure on Thiago, but now he's put himself in a position where he has to produce straight away. He has certainly put pressure on himself now after what happened yesterday. But I think Silva's the type of player that will rise above that. Let's finish the show on a positive note. And we said this right from the very beginning of the Blue Day podcast, that if you have any views and comments that you want to share, which will be aired, contact us at the Blue Day podcast at gmail.com, which some people actually have. Yes. You know, we've got three free people much, within the space of a couple of days. Sorry, Warren. That my, it's my fault now because I've butted in. But thank no, you to those. That's who all right. I just, wanted to, I just wanted to say thanks to. I know you're going to read out uh, the, some of the emails, and I'm quite excited that people have been messaging in and contacting. And I can assure everyone that it very much brightens myself and Keith's day when we get to read your views, whether it's on Facebook, YouTube, or at the, uh, or the email address that Keith's just given you there. I know that. We re- we both really appreciate the feedback. Um, a lot of it has been similar to our views, but some of it's been contrary to our views as well. And we've enjoyed reading people's difference of opinion and stuff. And yeah, it's just great that people are like getting in contact with us and letting us know that they enjoy the show. Please let us know if there's anything that you'd like us to include, any subjects or topics, or you know your memories as well. We keep asking for those. We'd love to get those in. Yeah, I, I mean, like I said, Keith, 
I know it brightened your day. It certainly brightened mine. Absolutely. I completely concur with that. Let's start off with one uh, from Jamie from South East London. He starts off with this email uh, at the Blue Day Podcast at gmail.com. He starts off with, Hi guys, great show. What's the Rudica transfer request bullshit all about? Surely he can see how piss poor Christensen and Zuma are compared to him. If it was me, I'd be rubbing my hands together. Me and Thiago Silva will piss all over these two Herberts. And in addition to this, do you believe that Sancho is holding out for a move to Chelsea next summer rather than going to Manchester United? Uh, Jamie, thank you very much um, for your email, by the way. Yes, well, yeah, that's, that's well, yeah, you took the word out of my mouth, and that's exactly what I was going to say. Thank you very, very much for the email to start with, Jamie. Um, I love your use of the term Herberts. I absolutely love that. Um, <laughs> that. That's the slight difference between the twang in mine and Keith's accent is that he pronounces his H's and I don't, so I know that there's just a couple of Herberts. Um, that did make me <laughs> smile yeah, with his description. I, I think, yeah, um, I appreciate. I do appreciate that reference very much, um, Jamie. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that Keith touched upon it and sort of made a, a point that was sort of like quite similar. That I'd be rubbing my hands together, thinking, right, that's me in the starting lineup. I'm going to have a chance, and you know, I'm going to train hard, and I'm going to get in this team, and I'm going to take it by the scruff of the neck. I'm very surprised he hasn't done that. Um, there must be, like I said, there must be something else that's going on there. Frank's either giving him his chance, and he. He's failed and he thinks, right, no, that's enough. I need to get somebody else in or Rudy wants to leave. I, I prefer Zuma to Christiansen. I don't think either of them are piss poor. I think, I think that they're both just... Nothing's changed from last season and Christiansen's red card was ridiculous. Apart from that, he hasn't done a lot wrong, but he hasn't really stepped up to the mark. So I can I can understand Jamie's point about being piss poor that, you know, if they're not good enough, they might as well be piss poor. And I think, I think Christiansen has perhaps shown himself more often than Zuma to not be. I think Zuma wins a lot more headers. I think Zuma's quicker. I think Zuma's slightly better on the So I'd rather have Zuma over Christiansen. But as for Rudiger, yeah, absolutely, Jamie. I'm, I'm surprised that we've said it throughout this podcast and we've said it from the very first game. I totally agree, Jamie, that I'm very surprised Rudiger's not in the team. And because he's not in the team and not even in the squad, it looks like he's on the move. Mm. 100%. Yeah. But yeah, thank you very much for your email, Jamie. Brilliant. Great. One from Liam from a few days ago in ref- in reference to Kepa and especially what happened with him last week against Liverpool. I might let you take the Kepa one. <laughs> you want me to take this one? I think you'll take the Kepa one because I've got a feeling that uh, even though I agree that Kepa should be out the team and his mistakes are too much and everything, I'm still more of a supporter of Kepa and I've got a feeling this one's going to be um, probably quite, quite negative against Kepa. So I'll let you take this one. <laughs> Thank you for taking, thank you for allowing me to take the reins on this one. Liam's wrote in on the Blue Day podcast at gmail.com. In reference to the Spanish prick, just terminate his contract. That's all I have to say about him. It's a waste of a wage. We'll be lucky to get 20 million back for him if any takers at all. Anyway, great podcast by you two. Keep up the good work and up the blues. Liam, thank you very much for that email. We do appreciate it. In regards to Kepa, yeah, I think a lot of it has, has been said by ex-footballers. For us, I think his time at Chelsea will undoubtedly come to an end now, now that Mendy's arrived. Yeah. Anyway, the last one before we eventually go. 
Aaron, who is a huge supporter of the Blue Day podcast, you know, he's he's a guy who has liked a lot of the stuff on Instagram, which I will be talking about uh, momentarily. He's also liked a lot of the stuff on YouTube. He's actually given his email uh, to the Blue Day podcast. He, he starts off, he goes, Hi boys, first off, love the podcast. Keep up the good work. I look forward to each one you do every week. Unfortunately though, this is a negative email because of the West Brom game. My biggest issue is how bad we are defensively and how we won't criticise Frank Lampard. After, after a year, he should have sorted out our defence, whether we have the players he wants or not. We shouldn't be conceding goals like we did against West Brom. We should have a formation and a style of play. I don't know what our identity is as a team. Keith and Warren, do you? Pep and Klopp have been given time, yes, but very early on they set out their formation and style they want. I still don't know what Lamps wants from our team, what our main formation is, or the way he wants us to play. Just because it's super frank, it doesn't mean we can't be negative about him. I love him, but he really thinks this job has come too soon for him. Yes, it was a great comeback, but we are Chelsea and shouldn't be happy with a draw with West Brom. No disrespect to them. Feel like after every bad result, we have a long list of excuses and it shouldn't be like that. We want to close the gap on City and Liverpool. We should be hitting the ground running. Rant over. Cheers, boys. Aaron. Aaron, thank you very much for that. Warren, I'll let you take that. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you very much, Aaron. Um, obviously, like you said, he's a big supporter. I know, he, I know that he messages us asking when the next one's going to be out. He's like, a few people have been like that, actually, which has been really, really surprising in that level of support. You know, me and Keith couldn't be more. Me and Keith didn't think that we could be more motivated to do this podcast until we started to realise that people are actually like really enjoying it and looking forward to the next one. So uh, that's brilliant. Thank you very much. I, I I agree with a lot of what Aaron said, but there's a few points that kind of you know, without making excuses, and I think it's important that we don't make excuses, but there are reasons behind things. Um, I think that he made the point that yes, Pep and um, Jurgen Klopp were given time but they were setting out their formations and their teams and you could see the direction they was going in very early on and Frank's already had a year yeah Frank's had a year where he couldn't sign anyone and he couldn't build his team he had what he had and that's the way that it was so you can kind of cross the fact that Pep and Jurgen after the first year had set their teams out and started doing this started doing that Frank's a year behind in that and um, I also think that it's this uh, against West Brom, particularly yesterday. I mean, the, the red card against Liverpool changed the complexion of that game. Brighton, we weren't great against. But with West Brom, speaking specifically about the West Brom game yesterday, it wasn't the tactics because we were we were the better team. We weren't brilliant, but we were a much better team. We were a dominant team. We dominated possession and created lots of chances and restricted West Brom to. They had three shots in the first half, scored three goals. I think Caballero. Will, would have conceded the fourth one had that shot just been on on target in the second half just went wide um they had a shot from just outside the box that went just, just wide but that's when that, the we, game we, was we three two wasn't it yeah yes i believe so yeah um but other than that we controlled the game and we could change formation and change personnel with minimal fuss and it flowed okay okay it could have been better at times it's still early days but we it flowed okay um, so I don't feel like it's the tactic. So I can understand what he's saying about, oh, just because it's super frank. And I totally understand that. 
that it's not the tactics because we were the much better team. You know, it's just football. Sometimes, sometimes, without making an excuse, and it can't be an excuse for the entire season, but in an individual match, a couple of minutes or a couple of moments here and there, sometimes it's just football. In the last podcast, we talked about how strong our team was that lost to Barnsley in the FA Cup. That same lost the Champions League by the whip from the post and went and was level on points with Man United going on to the last day of the season. And that was the middle of Man United winning three Premier League titles in a row with Tevez and Ronaldo and Rooney and Scholes and Carrick and Vidic and Ferdinand and Van Sar and people like that. You know, great, 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 great teams. So it's not, it wasn't the tactics for me. It was just one of them matches that was a really odd match and one of the reasons that we love football. So I suppose, again, time will tell. Time will tell. Everything that I've said hasn't... I've always said about giving it time and it's a bit of a cliche and everything, but it's not just about giving it time like, oh, it's not working, he needs time to fix it. It is working, it just needs time to be perfected and stuff like that. And it's not, as a club, we can allow it to be two years until that happens. It needs to start happening in the coming week and we need to start really seeing it but I do think that it's coming I've seen things in every single match we're improving in one way or another in every single match we was actually apart from individual mistakes at three moments in the match we was good defensively yesterday because we stopped West Brom from creating anything even Liverpool I know that they settled down into a rhythm where they wasn't necessarily looking for the extra goals but they were still pressing and stuff even Liverpool didn't create that many chances against them. They scored a header and Kepa made a mistake. Apart from that, I don't remember Kepa. Kepa didn't have to make any saves. Kepa wasn't scrambling around. There wasn't people desperately diving in front of loads of shots. Liverpool didn't have t- 10 block shots like we had yesterday. I think defensively, we've been quite good. It's just the individual mistakes that needs to cut out. That's unacceptable. But that's not necessarily completely down to Frank all the time. That's why I'm still unquestionably supporting him and what he's trying to achieve. But doesn't take anything away from your e- email, Aaron. You made some really good points. I know that you are an avid, avid Chelsea supporter. I know you're somebody that is not a negative person about the club. And I know that every single time that Chelsea play, you are, you're, you're passionate and you're buzzing. And I know that everything is doesn't change the fact that you are a huge supporter of the club. And it does, and it's the same for all of our listeners, you know. Just because you have a slightly negative outlook on something and just because I'm... I, overly positive it doesn't mean that I think that I'm supporting the club differently or better or anything like that it's just you know it's you, you can be negative and you can be disappointed with a result and still be a massively passionate Chelsea fan of course you can um it's just I'm I guess I'm looking a lot more for the positive um because I think it's just the way to be I think a positive mental attitude a lot can be said for a positive mental attitude should we finish the show yeah uh, no <laughs> Ran over, yeah, yeah. No, honestly, thank you so much for everyone that's messaged in and subscribed to the channel on YouTube. Like I said, find us there. Keith's going to have a little mention of the Instagram account there, but the Blue Day Podcast, both Facebook and YouTube. Obviously, you've got the email address there at the, the Blue Day Podcast at gmail.com. Find us on those. Find us on Instagram that Keith's going to tell you about now. Um, just keep keep your views coming in because it's why we do it. It's what it's, we love getting all the messages from you guys, you know. So thanks very much. I just want to conclude it, um, information on our Instagram page that has been set up within the last few days. Have a look at it. It's got some great photos on there at the moment. It will have some more you know, top photos on there. It's also got videos that we will be putting up in regards to certain matches that have happened on this day. Also have a look on the YouTube channel, which will have the same, roughly the same sort of content. 
But yes, if you know Chelsea fans that, you know, uh, addicted to their phones, that like Instagram, that like YouTube, get them onto that show, get them sorry. to subscribe. Sorry, what, yes, what's, sorry, what's the name of the, what's, what's, what's the name of the Instagram page there, Keith? The name of the Instagram page is the Blue Day Podcast. Brilliant. Like it, follow it, tell your friends, tell the guys that you go to the pub with, and by all means, Send us some more comments. Send us your views. Send us you know, your feelings on Frank and the boys. My fellow Chelsea supporters, thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for sending in your views and comments. I have been Keith Lawrence. He has been Warren. Ladies and gentlemen, enjoy your weekend and carefree. Yay! Come on, a fucking Chelsea! All the negativity in the world can't keep us down. Network. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. PenFed's got-